Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Well, welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today, we have a certified EOS implementer. She works with... She Pause, delete, edit. <laughs> welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest is a certified EOS implementer working to make profound, positive, rippling impacts for her leaders and teams. She's a Vista speaker at Vistage Worldwide. Please welcome Beth Berman. Welcome, Beth. Hi, good to be here. It's great to have you on the show. Um, this show is about leadership, and my favorite question to ask my guest is, tell me about some misconceptions in leadership. Mm, well, there are definitely a lot of them, but the three that I'd like to talk about today are really one is that you know leaders can prevent can present a vision or their core values or stick them up on a wall or a website and people are just going to absorb them and that they're just going to get them it's going to affect culture it's going to affect change all that it's no <laughs> that's one um secondly i think that there's a misconception in leadership that you can make people become accountable so that mm -hmm. leaders can somehow change someone who has no proclivity to becoming accountable to become accountable and show up the way they want, they want them to. And third is the idea that a lot of people believe that in order to have a healthy, thriving culture that People have to have so much autonomy that the idea of scorecards or measurements um, feel almost like anathema. So like that scorecard kills culture. Um, and I just don't agree with those statements. <laughs> those are insightful. Let, let's dig into each of them. So starting with your first one where you've mentioned that the fact that you put your core values on the wall doesn't necessarily mean the team absorbs or believes or follow those good can you go into a little bit more detail behind that, Beth? Yeah. So first of, first of all, um, just in terms of how people accept and integrate information generally, you know, if you think about leadership being kind of similar to parenting, not that we consider our, follow, our, our team, our team members, our employees to be our children, but the same kind of principles apply. And if you think about the first time you tell your kids to do something, you know, whether it's make the bed every time you get up in the morning or take the trash out. Or you tell your employee something new, it's never going to happen in the beginning. It takes at least seven times for people to hear, accept, integrate new information um, and be able to really operate on it and connect to it. So we say, at least in EOS, that you must, and a program into EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, is that you've got to repeat it at least seven times. To me, seven times isn't even enough. Mm. Uh, you know, if you think about the fact that most people that we're managing and leading in from a leadership standpoint are adults and they've got a lot of history and a lot of dug in beliefs, it's really more like 21 times or as many times as you can. <laughs> so there's the idea that repetition is there. Now, I think if you have a, a clearly laid out vision, it should also 
Um, it should include your core values. It should include other things that in EOS we typically have on a VTO, you know, what your highest and best use is, what we call core focus, all those kinds of things. Um, where you're taking the company, how you're going to get there so people can see their part in that, how they can connect to the future of the company. And as far as core values, I see many, many companies they have core values and I'll ask the leadership team on a first call, you know, just an introductory, does this make sense call? Do you have core values? And they'll go, yeah. And then I say, well, what are they? And they go, oh. <laughs> so the, um, the idea though, is that core values have to be, again, repeated, but they, in addition to having to be authentic and 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 really emulate who a team is, what the, what their behaviors, their expectations are like, what their um, what their values are, what they what they what is really important to them. With core values specifically, you need to integrate them in the daily into the daily conversation. So you know, words on a page, words on the front steps, all that stuff feels like, oh, this is a great company. I want to work here. But you walk in and if the people aren't exhibiting it, it's got to be authentic. And then it's got to be really used as part of the daily conversation. So when we hire people, so when we are coaching people up, when we're recognizing people for their greatness, let's tie it to the specific core values, make it come alive. Uh, and, and, and that's where the conversations, and even if it's a coaching conversation, you've got somebody who's fabulous in the organization, but maybe they're not living up to your core value. For example, in EOS, one of our core values is humbly confident. If somebody comes in and they're arrogant and they're bragging, they're not going to fit in our culture among EOS uh, implementers around the world. But, you know, when you think about it in terms of your DNA, your company code, you've got to live it and also recognize people for being a part of it, for exhibiting those behaviors and make it part of that daily conversation. If people aren't living up, You've done a lot of the work in advance so that then you can have a conversation that's centered around key terms such as, you know, GSD, get stuff, or as some of my clients say, get shit done, I like, or we own it or whatever it is. You've got to coach people up to those behaviors because even if they're great at their job and if they're not owning it or doing whatever that core value is, that's going to ultimately create havoc in your organization and really destroy culture. So the idea that, you know, you can tell them one time, throw it out there and make it happen or get some marketing company to create some fancy words for you doesn't really fly. So what you need is to have the team come together, get real about what they're about, what their company code is, and then make it part of the daily conversation. I love that idea around making it part of the daily conversation. Um, any specifics on how is that you're adding it to an agenda or you're having very specific conversations about a specific core value or is it adding it to your jargon? And so every day you're talking about humble confidence, hum yeah. being humbly confident. Talk to us about the specifics of, of how you see that integrated into a daily conversation. So um, first of all, it, one way is to create a culture of appreciation. And so you're always running shout outs 
um, you know, getting really conscious, coming together as teams and saying, who deserves a shout out, maybe in this team, but more importantly, outside of this team, who's creating um, good in the organization or doing well in the organization that deserves a shout out. So when you do that, you tie it to the core value, as I said. So, you know, you there can be core value stickers, contests, all this kind of fancy stuff, but sometimes it's just an attaboy. Some people want bells and whistles and gongs and celebrations. And other people just want like that quiet tap on the back. You can't over appreciate people. So that's one way. Um, Another way is when you're coaching. So you've got people that aren't up to the level that you'd like to see in terms of some of the behaviors you'd like to see. So really give them specific examples of where they may have fallen short of course, after you've communicated it multiple times so they can un- really understand what you're talking about and, 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 you know, let them know that you value them in the organization and would really like to see it stepped up. So it can be from a, a coaching up. Also, I happen to believe that everything that we put on our VTO, which goes, as I said, from core values, core focus, the sweet spot, where you are, where you're going, your goals, and all of those kinds of things, I happen to believe you can believe and make every element of that come alive and bring people into that, connect them to the work mm-hmm. that they're doing, connect them to the impact, even at the lowest levels that ultimately ties it to the ultimate goals of the company. So that that's, those are several ways to leverage it and really make it part of the daily conversation. My clients both on, I run a peer group, but also my clients, my members of the peer group and my clients who spend a lot of time doing this find that they have these thriving, amazing cultures. And even in recruiting, they're repelling people who won't be a fit because they'll say to a prospective employee, you know, well, tell me about a time when it was really hard, but you were humbly confident or you got shit done or whatever that is. Excuse my French on your podcast, (laughs) but, but, um, it, it, you know, you really want to kind of test those and and and, and ha- have people share stories and see if they feel authentic about the fact that they really, you know, that they're really showing up authentically around the the core value itself. You see it embodied in their, their reactions to the question, things like that. Fantastic. That's very, very helpful. Um, shifting gears up to your second misconception, talk to us a little bit more about uh you're not a, a leader is not able to make somebody accountable. Yeah. Um, well, do you believe that they can? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think on. the person has to hold themselves accountable yes. and it's not the leader, but I'd love your insights on that. Yeah. So yeah, a person has to ultimately want to become accountable. Um, and, and accountability is driven by a combination of leadership and management. So some people even think that's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Leadership is really working Mm -hmm. on the business, creating a direction, um, creating an opening for people to really fill. And it's more about the the strategic, the thinking on the business. Um, Management is about more working in the business, setting clear expectations, having um, clear frequent communication at the right amount of connections so that people can be on the same page, be clear about what's going on, what needs to get done. And then 
be able to go off and, and somewhat autonomously do it, but still connecting the circle so that we can see where it's going. So there, you know, leadership plus management, good leadership plus good management equals accountability. And, and um, in EOS, we, we, we start to look at some of those concepts in terms of how do you build that? So if, as a leader, we're talking about um, really thinking about first giving clear direction. Um, what does that mean? Is it, That means clearly painting the picture with elements, with metrics, with everything else, creating the picture of what you want from your people, where you're going as an organization, where you're going as a team, those kinds of things. And, and, and creating an opening, whether it's a seat definition or a job function definition, uh, letting them know what's, what that person is really accountable for, be, for obsessing over and driving results towards. But it's also about the vision itself. As I mentioned in EOS, the VTO, it's, it's about giving a clear picture of where you're going so people can fill the gap there. So, so that's kind of like one of the ways that leadership can drive accountability. Another is providing the necessary tools. You know, so when you bring someone into a position, we bring people in because we think they have the capacity to do it, the skills, training, experience, but they still may need some resources to get up to speed. They may need some training. Um, they may need people under them. Most importantly, they need differing amounts of time and attention. So some people are going to come on and they're going to be totally independent. And others are going to need a little bit more coddling along the way, a little bit more training, handholding. Maybe they haven't been empowered the same way before to, to fill that opening, to, to really fill that seat that they maybe they've been micromanaged before. So Whatever it is, the time and attention can both help them and help the leader because you, you can see where the gaps are. You can mm -hmm. see where you need to help. Um, and, and also, you know, one of the ways of creating an opening also and, 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 and really being a great leader is letting go of the vine. So we have that expression because there's a story of an entrepreneur who was out hiking and I like to modernize it and say, yeah, and he was looking at his phone and he stepped off a cliff. Notice I'm saying he, but, <laughs> but, you know, and on the way down, he grabs a branch and he's not religious, but he looks up at the sky and he all of a sudden gets religion and he says, please help me, whoever, whatever's up there. And this voice bellows down, do you believe? And he looks up and he says, I believe, I believe. And the voice bellows, then let go of the vine. And he looks up and he says, Anybody else up there? Like, <laughs> I mean, you think about it, delegating is so scary. And this is a problem for a lot of leaders. If you want to allow people to do what they need to do, um, but then you, you hold their hands and you micromanage them because it's scary to delegate. We can all do everything better than the people below us, at least at first, or at least we think we can. Mm -hmm. So another way to drive accountability is give them the space to elevate themselves into the positions, into the task, and so on and so forth. Um, 
And then really, um, you know, always demonstrating that you're acting with the greater good in mind and, 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 and doing what you need to preserve your own well-being also. So, you know, we have something we call clarity breaks. It's time to step back, refresh, um, get away from everything, get away from technology, make sure that you're refreshing your ability, clearing out your brain, you know, pad of paper, no technology, sit there and just let it fall out. It may not flow at, at first, but before you know it, you're scribbling away. And what's on the page is amazing. You start to see patterns and, and what you might've missed and new thoughts. And it's really, really powerful. So it's a little woo woo, but it's super powerful. And everyone I know, I, I mean, Anyone I know who has some sort of a stepping back practice and clearing out swears by it. Many different ways to do it. How um, I love the clarity break concept. And I find myself in the morning sort of doing journaling and meditation. And that's kind of how I get my day started. Um, most days, I'd say. What is your recommendation on frequency for clarity breaks? So it really depends. Some people need a daily routine. Some people are fine with, you know, a weekly stepping back and refreshing and getting it all cleared out. Um, but what's most important is that it's a cadence and, and that if it's, if you really un, are willing to embrace this, that you just find a time that will make sense. Ideally, same time every day, every week, whatever the pulse is, um, so that you can really protect your mind, your mental health, your confidence, all of those kinds of things. And so th th that's the leadership side that, you know, the, the management side is more about setting clear expectations, really listening to your people, um, keeping, communicating to the point where you're listening even more than you're telling, which is a hard concept for a lot of managers, but you can really um, spot gaps that way and, and have that meeting pulse with your key people so that you can have regular conversations. And then maybe once a quarter, have a quarterly conversation around what's working and what's not. That's very insightful. You're jumping back into leader versus manager and in the business, on the business versus in the business. Are there times that you see clients, entrepreneurs, business owners who are wearing the wrong hat in the wrong scenario? <laughs> and how does that generally play out? So, um, yes, yes, yes. And yes, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, and it's, when I think about it, it's really about living in your highest and best use. And, and, and there's so, it also is about, First, creating the right structure for your company, um, defining each major function in the seat and each department that you have reporting in and so on and so forth, what those seats are like, and then really examining this concept in that we have in EOS of GWC or get it, want it, have the capacity to do it. Because if a, whether it's a leader or a reporting person, if they don't get it, they don't want it, they don't have the capacity to do it, you know, really get it innately, hardwired to get it, want it. They come to work every day wanting to do that job and have the capacity, you know, the skills, the training, all that. They're, they're not going to be, you know, what we in my Clark world, in my Clark leadership peer group world call, the, they're not going to be competent leaders. You won't have a competent organization if you don't have right people, right seats. So going back to G Jim Collins, you want to have people who 
fit your core values who are right people. But you also want people who GWC the seat in order to um, to really rock the the position and drive accountability. And I see it often. Sometimes it's you know you want to you want to remove emotion and ego from those kinds of decisions because in the end, the person once they're moved, whether it's an elevation or another kind of a move, they're going to be so much happier in a place mm. where they can contribute at their fullest. Fantastic. Um, shifting gears slightly, Beth, can you give us a little bit of insights about you and and how you, your journey and where how you got into EOS and and even a, a broader explanation of EOS for any of those in the audience that might not know? Um, but first, I'd love to hear more about you and your journey. Okay. So happy to do that. Um, I was recruited out of college into telecom, AT&T, CMP telephone. Uh, sounds boring, but I grew up in an entrepreneurial <laughs> environment where we went from rack to riches, you know, so it sounded so good. And um, so I was in marketing, sales, strategic planning and all of that and stayed there for a ridiculously long amount of time because in those days, nobody changed jobs. It's not like it is today. <laughs> then I um, had my kids and after they were old enough, I came back to the workplace and joined um, a recruiting firm, recruiting you know, for GovCon, for retail, for everything under the sun, consulting all different kinds of positions. And we were going great going into 2008. Um, and then we all know what happened when the market crashed, you know, everything kind of stopped and basically recruiting was, it was totally decimated. Nobody was hiring. So I, as a partner then, uh, led the pivot to becoming a job search coaching firm and we grew while others were really struggling. And eventually kind of like the light bulb went off. I'd had marketing, sales, strategic planning, now recruiting and job search coaching. And it was this idea of compelling communications. So I launched my company in 2011, Compellications, thinking that was a great name. And it was the least compelling name ever <laughs> because no one could understand it. No one could spell it. I used to get introduced as Beth at Complications. So, you know, it was a good... <laughs> good something to play off of. But um, but anyway, I started working with leadership teams on communications um, around team building, around marketing, around um, kind of like meaningful connection between the people in the company. I was working within kind of the concept of the why, Simon Sinek's why. Um, and as I was out there, I started hearing this little buzz about EOS. So EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. And what it is, is a very simple, but not easy set of tools that are woven into an integrated system to help business leaders with three things. So vision, traction, healthy vision from the standpoint of getting everybody on the same page with vision and plans to actually actualize that vision traction which is about the the performing of what needs to be done so it's about executing on the vision making it happen with discipline with accountability um and then healthy is about leadership teams who more often than not even after a very short time in a startup or over a good bit of time, they, they're they not as 
fun anymore. They're not as lacking in politics and emotion and siloism or ego, all those kinds of things. So what we do is we, we work to have open, honest um, communication at the leadership team and then throughout the organization. So people can work together to really get to what needs to get done. As I said, if you need to move in terms of your seat in the accountability chart or something's not working, let's create a culture where we bring issues forward early and solve them, make them go away forever, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we start with the leadership team and ultimately it filters down through the organization. Super powerful stuff. Um, what brings me so much joy is I've got, what, about 200 sessions at this point under my belt. And across every industry imaginable. I have everything from landscaping companies to government contractors working cybersecurity to it, it, it just runs the gamut. There's no limit in terms of industry. We're industry agnostic, but the impact that this has across any leadership team that really is an ideal client that, that wants to grow or wants to get better so badly, they want it more than I want it for them. They are entrepreneurial, they're frustrated, and they want help. And they're willing to do the work, follow the process, all that kind of stuff. It's just magical because Gina Wickman, the founder, clearly simplified all the great thinking that was out there. And I get to bring that to people. It's mm -hmm. not easy. It's not easy on our end. It's not easy on their end. But the result is magic. That's so amazing. it's great work. It's really great work. Um, and in my peer group world, there are concepts that go back and forth, you know, from kind of Lee Thayer's competent organization to EOS being kind of a practical way of bringing all that together. So they kind of cross inform and tend to cross pollinate. <laughs> Beth, I suspect you've got a favorite story of a client experience or a pivot or an aha moment. Could you share that one with us? Sure. Um, so I've got a good one. In the beginning of the pandemic, we all know what happened to hospitality, right? And, um, you know, they had their dead stop. It was kind of like what happened to recruiting in 2008. And, and I was able to connect a catering company whose phones were ringing off the hook to, and incidentally it was um, in Maryland and their CEO uh, actually passed during this time and we believe it was of a broken heart because he just like his all everything he'd created it, it was just so sad but they, they they had a great team and they continued and they were just dormant so I introduced them to uh, a colleague and client, John Agre, you may know his name, um, he, who has Dindin, a, a meal um, coordination, meal delivery platform. And rather than the pivot for the catering company having to be something that was out of their highest and best use. What are they good at? They're good at preparing meals. They're good at delivering meals, those kinds of things. Um, they were able to connect within a pivot that made sense to now service Dindin and Dindin's customers. Mm -hmm. So as Dindin grew, they remained, uh, they remained a thriving force. And now, you know, the market is again, um, 
morphing where more people are doing live events. And, you know, the percent of their work may be may change with respect to Dindin or not, or maybe they'll expand around it with between live and the um, platform marketplace delivery that Dindin represents. So, you know, both really kind of pivoted towards their own mission and their highest and best capability. And were you working with the catering business before so that so that I brought them together with Dindin. I knew them. We had been talking about EOS prior to um, the, the CEO, may he rest in peace, passing. Um, and then when COVID hit, it was just crazy. So, yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the pandemic and, and the clients that you were working with when all that happened, right? We, yeah. We're trying to forget those times, but. I think there's some great lessons learned, especially around EOS, sure. of those clients that were utilizing the entrepreneur operating system. And as the pandemic unfolded, talk to us about how they benefited from having those systems and processes and accountability in their workplace. Absolutely. So first of all, the companies that didn't have a clear structure that couldn't look at a structure that was working and then almost invert it and think about now that they had to shrink a bit or they had to adapt a bit, what made sense in terms of moving people around, they were paralyzed. But companies that had it, they had a weekly meeting structure where they were, you know, the EOS meetings, I didn't talk about this, but the level 10 meeting it, it, it's not boring. They have the right people in the room. It's all about smoking out and sourcing issues um, and, and coming together as a cohesive team. So they had this meeting pulse. A lot of them stepped them up to not being weekly, especially in the beginning, but daily because, you know, change uncertainty was just rampant and, and you couldn't, it was very hard to get your arms around it week to week. So they found that they'd have to have these daily standups to really get to the core elements of their meetings. And those that did, and they were, you know, already had a healthy team. They already had the measurement. They already had practices around rock setting or goal setting. They just shortened the timelines. Hmm. So rather than a quarterly rock, Maybe it was a monthly rock for some companies. Some companies went to weekly rocks. They found they had to manage week to week. So um, the beauty of Zoom, we were able to all continue to work together, which really set a precedent for the way many companies are working today. Um, and and they, they thrived if they were able to, like this, like this um, catering company, if they were able to pivot in their sweet spot, and many were. Or they were able to make changes. You know, for instance, if you smoked out an issue around supply chain, all of a sudden supply chain was a disaster, especially more recently. So what do you need to do for that? So smoke out the issue. Well, maybe we need to have redundancy in our suppliers. Maybe we need to order different quantities, whatever it is. But they were proactively dealing with, you know, even COVID protocol which was changing so rapidly and there were no consistent answers in the beginning. So it, it, it helped them to survive and many thrive if they were able to stick with the practices that got them there in the first place. You mentioned a word rocks. Can you give us a little bit more definite for those of us who don't, for those of 
the audience who don't know what you meant by that, you said rocks and goals. And so they probably put two and two together, but define that for us. Walk through the concept of the rocks and the pebbles and the. Yeah. So this is um, shout out to Stephen Covey. And the idea is this, if you have a, 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 a glass or a jar or whatever else, and you, you, this is figuratively representing your capacity, anything that can go into this glass, you know, filling up this glass. If you think about this as, you know, what you do every day and you have rocks, pebbles, sand, water, think of the rocks as your most important priorities. Think of the pebbles as kind of like your daily to-do list, all the stuff that you normally just do and sand or interruptions, waters, everything else. What our human tendency is, is to fill up the little things first, the to-dos, the interruptions, the embarrassing things, all that other stuff we do. And then try to lump our rocks in at the end, but they're not going to (laughs) fit. So what we do is we put the top priorities up front and we focus on them first. And it's not that we're not going to get like the to-dos done, but often when you when you put the important things first, you find that you can often eliminate some of those other things that maybe you just did out of habit or maybe were relevant when your priorities were maybe clear and different or unclear. But you, if you really start to focus on your priorities, priorities, you see the other stuff can start to either fold in or be eliminated. So that's the idea of Stephen Covey and seven habits, of highly effective people. And we adopt that in our way of approaching our priorities. So there, you know, in terms of that VTO, I mentioned, we've got the vision pieces um, and, and core values, core focus, 10-year target marketing strategy. And then this transition piece of three-year picture of vivid vision three years from now. Then on the traction side, we've got one year, plan, which is the one-year metrics and goals. And then what do we have to do each quarter to achieve those goals? So we compartmentalize everything into quarterly goals, which we call rocks, these priorities. And anything that's outside of priority for this quarter will get parked on the issues list on the VTO so that it doesn't get lost. But unless it gets prioritized, it's not worth really focusing on. That's helpful. Thank you. So Beth, bringing this full circle, your third misconception was that scorecards kill culture. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Sure. So that we all understand EOS a little bit better? A little better. <laughs> so yeah. So so the idea that, well, you know, you, you can't measure... If you impose measurement, people feel you don't trust them. It kills culture. It kills support for your mission, all that kind of stuff. It's nonsense. And, and what I'm going to give you now are basically the seven truths of, of scorecarding. Um, and in EOS, what the scorecard is, and this can be, by the way, all these tools are downloadable, totally public, publicly available. But the scorecard is you have your measurables, you're leading in some lagging indicators, five to 15 measurables that give you a pulse on the business at the leadership level. Then you have a goal for each of those on a weekly basis. You have accountability for who's driving those results. So for example, if it's you know around sales results, you're, you're, you know what the end sales goal is. Well, what does it take in the beginning to get there? How many initial calls? How many this? What rate of conversion? Those kinds of things. 
So, and you get 13 weeks of history so you can spot trends, patterns, smoke out issues, capitalize on opportunities. But the seven truths of scorecard are number one, what gets measured actually gets done or, and I like to say improved. Um, managing metrics saves time. So it, it takes time and it's not fun. <laughs> so me and my highest and best use, I would delegate this one, but managing metrics saves time because you're actually getting to issues earlier because you have a pulse on what's working and what's not working. You know where you to focus your energies. Um, also scorecard. Another truth is it gives the ability to predict. So it gives you like a pulse week to week. And when you see these patterns, you can predict better and your ability to predict what can get done, what we can achieve, what kind of business we can bring in support is really powerful and being able to move forward and grow in a business. Um, next, you absolutely can have accountability in a culture that is high trust. High trust people want to be measured. They want to be acknowledged for what they get done. Um, two more. A scorecard requires hard work, but it's worth it. So even though it's not the most enjoyable task in the world, except for some people who might be more wired towards the detail piece, it's worth it because of everything I've said before. And the real truth is that someone must own it because without an owner, it won't continue to be something and without it being programmed into your meetings as an element in the meeting it won't continue because it's something that people have a tendency to resist well let's just get it done let's just get it done but if you can get that shorter pulse you get great clarity thank you um so audience member listening today um is contemplating getting into or adapting eos like what is it an indicator that that business is ready for EOA. Is there some point in a life cycle, in a business life cycle that you find that implementing this is most effective? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, they have to be past scrambling. So some of these startups that have, you know, an idea and nothing under their feet, it's, they're going to be scrambling too much to be able to even schedule the meetings and the sessions. Um, but it's a team that, whether it's early or later in their life, they realize that they're not getting what they want. They're frustrated by something. Maybe the maybe they're what worked before isn't working now. It's not getting them to that next level. Maybe they've plateaued. Maybe they there something's not right in the culture. The the people issue. Something's there. Maybe um, and this is often one. And and this also goes back to your question about what about when they're in the wrong seat. A lot of leaders now. Um, at least, you know, middle-aged and above without being discriminatory. There are many younger ones as well. They want to elevate out of the business or at minimum, they want to get out of the trenches. They don't want to be working in the day-to-day, -day, all of that. They want to be creating the big relationships. They want to be working on the business. They want to be working on their terms. And so that is a signal that, that, or maybe they're ready to give the, that succession that I, I think I mentioned, but um, so, so, the, so there, there's that. Um, they also just, maybe they're not getting, maybe they're, they're increasing sales like out the gazoo, but the profitability is not going up. I mean, there's so many things. They're just not getting what they want. And a signal to me is they may be a member of a peer group. 
they may have a coach. They're people who are learners. They're readers. They, you know, they talk, they, Jim Collins is on their shelf as are all the Gina Wickman, all the other great thinkers, or at least those who bring together the wisdom of the great thinkers. They're learners. They're always looking to better themselves, their team, and they're passionate about it. That's very helpful. So the follow-on question to that is if it, if an audience member wants to get in touch with you, Beth, to talk about EOS more or understand, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure. Um, so it's Beth.Berman. So Beth.B-E-R-M-A-N, be like boy, um, at uh, EOSWorldwide.com. Also, my phone number is, my business phone number is 240-560-8946. Uh, and that's a nod to my dad because 8946 equates to you win, which he always thought he <laughs> would win and we were winners. <laughs> so that's where the number comes from. Uh, my kids think it's queer, but it's still an homage to him. <laughs> well, I think our kids think everything we do is queer. So <laughs> just chalk that up to parenting. <laughs> Beth, it's been great having you on the show. I've learned so much about EOS and scorecards and how to implement and the benefits um, to my business. So thank you for your time, your talent, what you're doing for the entrepreneurial community. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And EO is great. Go EO. <laughs> Go EO. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.